Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. My name is Seth Everett, and uh, we are pleased to welcome to this show uh, a very special guest. He is, of course, a PGA golfer for a number of years. It just makes me feel old because I remember when he was a phenom, when he was coming out in the 90s. 12 career wins on the PGA Tour. Justin Leonard is with us on Sports with Friends. And we are pleased here on Sports with Friends to bring back our friends at Pavada Sportsbook. And for that, we get to talk to... Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at Bavada, later on in the show. Patrick, what are we going to be talking about today? We're celebrating the end of fake football, and we're looking ahead to NFL futures, season props, and win totals for the upcoming season. That's going to be great. We're looking forward to that. Now to Justin Leonard. Justin, thanks so much for doing this. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You know, I was at the uh, the Northern Trust uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we had Tiger and, and, and Brooks Kepka and, 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 and Xander Chauflet on the show. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Um, but my question to you is, um, you know, when, when, when the, when the tur- tournament's going on as much as you, it has and the grind is going on, the, the, the travel and everything that comes down, can you kind of see the light of the end of the tunnel at the end of a year? Like, do, do golfers get as burnt out as I would imagine they do? Well, it's it, it varies from golfer to golfer. I mean, you look at a guy like Sung J.M., he's played just about every week this year. Uh, and then, you know, you've got other players that are, are happy getting their 15 to 18 events in. The tour average is probably around 23 or 4. Uh, but, yes, guys can see the end of the tunnel, and uh, it's happening right now here during the FedEx yeah. Cup playoffs. Um you know, and then I think a lot of guys, especially the guys that make it all the way to Atlanta, uh, probably have scheduled some time off. Um, I don't think anybody really takes the entire fall off. Uh, you've got a world golf event uh, over in China at the HSBC. Um, you know, a few other great events, the tournament in Sea Island, Mayakoba, uh, which are great spots to end your year right before Thanksgiving. Uh, so, but I, I imagine, you know, the guys that make it, that, that play through all three playoff events, uh, they're going to be more tired than most. Uh, the young players, they've got a couple weeks off, and then they want to get right back started at it again, um, it, which happens in mid-September. And we've seen a lot of guys who've played well through the fall. Um, it, it really gives them a leg up, and especially for the young guys coming out of um, the now the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, uh, it's a really important time of year for those guys to, to get their footing early in the, on the tour, um, to get a few good results and hopefully move up that priority list. As you've had time now to look back at your career and the fact that you had peaked and was such a flash in the pan in those with those big major victory in the in, in the late '90s and also to come on onto the scene and burst onto the scene, have you seen its totality and have you looked at your career? How satisfying was the early victories and how satisfying was it to maintain your longevity? I take a lot of, of, of pride in the fact that I played on tour for 23 years. Uh, stopped playing at the end of 2016 season. And because it was, it just, it was so difficult um, playing the way my style of game, I'm a short hitter, a lot of fairways, don't make many mistakes, and it's such a power game now. Uh, and really for two or three years, I was just beating my head against a brick wall. Um, not being able to spend as much time with my wife and my kids as I want. And then when I leave, not really have anything to show for it. And so um, it, it felt 
it felt right to step away and to move into broadcasting, which I've really enjoyed. Um, it was, I wouldn't say it was a difficult decision, but, you know, putting down the clubs, it was, it was interesting. I remember uh, a couple months after I just stopped playing and, and my wife were kind of sitting there at breakfast, gotten the kids off to school. And she says, you know, you kind of, you need to get a life. Um, <laughs> Cause I was basically like following her around, like, what are we going to do today? Um, and so I really did. I had to get a life outside the game of golf. And fortunately living here in Colorado, uh, there's so many things to do outdoors and, and that don't necessarily always involve a golf course. And so uh, I've enjoyed getting into skiing and, and, um, you know, touring and uh, bike riding, both mountain bike and road biking. And so um, I, I've certainly been able to find a fun life and a nice balance. Um, but it was looking back on my career, which I don't do very often. I'm not a big mem memorabilia guy. I don't, you know, I've got some trophies on a shelf, but um, I don't have stuff all over everywhere. And so um, it, it was something that I did. It was something that I really enjoyed. Um, but this is what I'm doing now is, is analyzing what's going on a golf course and trying to educate our viewers. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that, you know, you're not a big memorabilia guy. The game has changed so much. Uh, it's, it's kind of a fascinating uh, sport and you played, you know, your, your prime during a time when you could say golf's ratings skyrocketed. I mean, they absolutely skyrocketed and let's not ignore the big elephant in the room, you know, Tiger Woods basting, you know, bursting onto the scene like that really had a, a major impact on it. What I always find is people who assume that golf is on its own solid footing, when you see like executives' eyes light up whenever he's in a tournament and whenever he makes a, a, a cut to, to, be, to be playing on a Saturday or Sunday, it, it's, it's almost like the sport is too dependent on him given the demands that that must have on him. And I'm not, I don't want to make this about Tiger Woods, but I just want to be confident that golf can survive when he eventually goes the same route that you're making. I, I, I do believe that it will survive um, just for the fact that you know, there were four or five years where he was, he was often injured, um, you know, starting in 2008 uh, then he had another good year. I think, you know, he had several good years, obviously, but yeah. 2013 was a really good year. And then he was really battling injuries after that. And and so we saw guys like Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Rory yeah. McIlroy um, really step up. And, you know, now that Tiger's kind of back um, somewhat, I mean, he's able to play. Um, the fact that he won the Masters, by the way, uh, maybe one of the greatest comebacks in sports um, just because of a year and a half ago, he wasn't sure if he was going to play golf again for him to come back and win the masters um, just incredible. And I think, uh, you know, moving forward, we've kind of seen, you know, the injuries. I mean, there are times and days when he looks, he looks like a 43 year old that's had back fusion. Uh, he didn't look like that at the masters. Of course. No, um, no, but, but he, but he does. And, and, and I think it's overanalyzed. Like, I, I feel bad that, you know, when you're on the air, I'm sure, do, do directors tell you to focus on him more? Because it seems like whenever the guy's on, he's always on t television. And I can't say that about another golfer. Well, he's always on television because that's what people, the majority of people want to see. And the fact that, you know what, we're, 
we're in the bonus coverage now. We didn't think we'd be able to see Tiger Woods playing at a certain level any longer. I certainly didn't. And the fact that he is playing, um, you know, and the clock is running out. I mean, he's, you know, he's not only in the back nine of his career, he's in the last couple of holes. And so that's why I think when, when he is playing an event, it is fully centered on him uh, because we don't know how much longer we're going to get to see it. It's pretty, pretty fascinating indeed. Um, one of the things that we had on the, the podcast that we did at the Players Trust a couple of weeks ago um, that came about was a complaining by many golfers about slow golfers. Um, do you care to weigh in on the debate on whether or not there should be some form of regulation for golf, not just from the television standpoint, because that's a unique perspective as well, but also the idea that slow golf uh, can throw off other people's games, and that's a form of competitiveness that you don't want to see. Well, it can throw off other people's games, and it's also viewer repellent. I mean, if you've got a guy standing over a shot or a putt for – for two minutes, you change the channel. Um, and that's not what anybody, uh, you know, in my line of work wants to see. Uh, and so there is a problem. Um, it's good that the players, not only just some players, but Brooks Kepka and Roy McIlroy have really spoken out about it. Yeah. Um, the, the rules are there. There's just, I think they need to be tightened up a little bit. Um, and, you know, the rules officials who are a wonderful group of people, by the way, um, they don't want to be part of the story. They, they want to stay in the background and let the, the golfers be the story. And I think really in order to get the slow players moving, they're going to have to enter the frame a little bit, and they're going to have to be active. Um, and, and a fine I don't think does any good. When you, when you make as much money as a lot of these guys do, um, there's, there's no amount that you can find them that's going to really – you know, put a big dent in their wallet. And so but, but it's, you can't it's got to be, be penalty strokes. But that's what I'm mind. saying. Are you going to take strokes away? I, I, I mean, yes. I just, no, I, you add, yeah. Would yes. the PGA do that? Would, would, would the PGA do it? And would that vary from tournament to tournament? So, for example, the, 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 the British Open, you know, the Open, I know they don't call it that, yeah. uh, the, the, the U.S. Open, so the USGA is involved. Are they all going to get and, and, and be coherent with each other? Or is that something where each individual governing body is going to have to make that decision? No, I think each governing body is going to have their own oh, um, way of doing it. Uh, you know, you've got the PGA Tour rules, and then um, I wouldn't be surprised if the USGA follows suit uh, or, or at least does something very similar. I mean, there's a lot of communication that goes on between – the USGA, the PGA of America, the PGA Tour, and the European Tour. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they all get on the same page, but it's not completely necessary. You could have a set of rules for the PGA Tour and then different sets for the majors. Well, I, I, I can just imagine. Um, given the fact that you're entering the broadcast realm in a time when social media is dominant and everybody's fighting for ratings and there's this Tiger Woods debate, which I really didn't want to get into, but just the idea that in order to continue to be prominent, did you have to embrace that? I see you're on Twitter. Like what, what in your estimation is the key to being successful in this next phase of your career? Well, I think that I really transfer. I was always, I enjoyed working very hard on the game. 
uh, I probably took more satisfaction in putting the work in than I did the results. Um, and so I'm able to take that from the golf course into the booth, uh, doing what I do now. Uh, I, I put the work in. I enjoy trying to get better in that whole process and, and asking people questions, um, you know, people that I respect and trust, um, putting in the work. And, and when I feel like I'm prepared, I feel like I'm going to put on a good show the same way I did when I played golf. When I felt like I was prepared, I did everything and crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's. Uh, that's when I felt like I was going to play my best. And, and so now able to transition into doing TV work, um, I've taken that same mindset. And I think that's what's really helped me so far um, in getting more comfortable uh, in really kind of finding my voice. When I first started, I was, I was trying to be an announcer um, mm. instead of really being myself. And I think in the last year or so, I, I've really gotten more comfortable at, at, just being more myself, I enjoy the process of, of trying to educate uh, our viewers to uh, what a player may be thinking or feeling at a certain time. So, you know, trying to, to finish off a good round on a Thursday or make a cut on Friday or get in contention Saturday or try and win a golf tournament on Sunday. You know, it's funny that you say that because one of the things that I learned a long time ago was – Anybody who has the experience of playing in a, in a sport, you have a, a skill set that no one can match. And given that fact, you have an expertise, whether or not you consider yourself an expert or not. The, the best analogy, and this is for our audience as well, is the former quarterback, Hugh Millen. He played at University of Washington and played, uh, it was a backup to Troy Aikman, a backup to, to, uh, to I think, Bledsoe in, in New England and uh, now does some broadcasting work up there with the Washington Huskies and the Seattle Seahawks. And whenever I would host a show with him, if it was something that was about a quarterback, he would sound like an expert. Whenever it would be another subject, whether it was defense or, you know, offensive line or something different, he would say, well, I'm not an offensive line, but, and he would almost demean the value of his opinions. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have been able to embrace every aspect and you don't say things like well that's not how i did it or you're not putting yourself in that guy's shoes i think has great value what's your thought on that well i i do too and i think um you've got it like it's interesting going and analyze a golf course now as as an analyst because when i was playing i was only worried about my own game and how far i hit it and and you know things that i would try and take on then all of a sudden remember the first day I walked out with my yardage book and I was driving around the golf course and getting out on the greens. I mean, I had to think about how Tiger Woods was going to try to play the golf course. Dustin Johnson was going to try and play. Zach Johnson, how they were going to try and play. So I had to really incorporate like all of everybody on tour in, in how they're going to play the golf course. And so um, it's been interesting making that transition. Uh, you know, golf is different because it's not such an individual sport. Um, you know, we're all playing the same position. Uh, and so while I don't consider myself an expert in anything, um, I feel like I have uh, um, pretty valid and, and somewhat recent experiences that that um, help me understand what a player is trying to do or go through. And um, probably the most difficult thing for me uh, in the beginning was was being critical. 
Um, you know, I, I wanted to, to have the guys backs, and I know how hard the game is, uh, but really my job is our audience is not the 156 guys that are playing each week. Our audience are the people at home. And so if a guy misses a shot or makes a poor decision, um, I've got to, I've got to call them out on that. And I think there's ways to do it um, that are appropriate and that I'm comfortable in doing, but um, that's something that I've, that I've certainly gotten more comfortable with uh, since I would say the U S open last summer. That's pretty fascinating. All right. You, uh, you decided to live in Colorado and that's near and dear to my heart. I, uh, I, I lived in Denver for a number of years when you were uh, tearing up the PGA tournament. I was covering the Denver Broncos and the Colorado Avalanche. You're a, a bit of ways in Aspen. I've been to Aspen a, a bunch of times. It's a beautiful area. How come you chose there? We rented a home here a couple different summers back in 2012 and 20. Let's see, 20. Yeah, 2012 and 2014. Uh, for the month of July, I played a couple of events, but then I would come back here between tournaments and we just loved our time spent here. We spent a, a lot of time in Telluride when our kids were much younger. Um, and so we always loved being in Colorado and, and it got to the point where we really didn't want to leave. And so, um, we got, it was in the fall of 2014. Um, we really just started kicking the idea around of, of, you know, kind of simplifying our life. We just built a house three years prior to that. Um, but you know, we wanted to kind of slow the pace of life down. Our kids were growing up too fast and we thought if we got to some place that was a little smaller, a little quieter, um, that, um, you know, we'd have more, more time and more quality time, um, with our kids. And so, um, that's when, when Colorado became a real possibility and, and even I, I was still playing full time. Uh, it seemed kind of nutty for a, a player that relies on good weather to practice in when moved to Colorado, um, you know, especially up in the mountains. Uh, Denver, you can play pretty much year-round, but not up here. And so um, yeah. I came home from practicing one day, and, and I sat my wife down. I said, you know what? What if we could just live anywhere? What if we take golf out of it? You know, my career has dictated our vacations, sure. our, you know, everything that we do. Um, really, in a lot of ways, revolved around my playing schedule. Um, so what if we just take that out of it? And we'll go up there, and I'll figure it out. Steve Stricker lives in Wisconsin. Tom Lehman's from Minnesota. Um, you know, plenty of guys from, from, you know, the northern part of the United States that didn't have the great weather. They didn't all live in Florida uh, or, or places like Texas or Arizona. And so said, I'll just, if I meant to figure it out, I will. But let's just take that out of play. And Let's just go move somewhere where really where we want to live and where we want to raise our kids. And and then, you know, Aspen became, uh, you know, really option number one for us. That's pretty fascinating. Is that where you met Dr. Jeremy James, who's going to be joining us in just a minute? Uh, is that how he um, is that how you two connected? Yes. Yes, it is. So um, I'm friends with a couple of his uh, board members. Uh, here in Aspen, and they were talking to me about, you know, back forever and golf forever, and and tell me about Jeremy James, and and after a couple of different conversations, um, they put us together. We sat down and 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 had lunch, and and he he kind of walked me through um, what he was trying to do uh, with his company, and just the 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 passion that he has for it. 
um, really, it, it kind of grabbed onto me. And so, um, you know, with his willingness and want to help people, um, to provide them a service that's not out there, and you know, not only that, but it's a it, it's a uh, it's a program that works. Um, really, kind of, it spoke to me, and and it's uh, the main reason why I got involved. Now, Dr. James is uh, work. He's a back specialist, and the two of you have come up with something called Golf Forever. Uh, it's an online venture uh, that is uh, basically something that people with back trouble, whether you're a golfer or not, let's be honest, you know, you can be an out of shape idiot like me and you could figure out, um, you know, ways to help yourself. What is it about being an athlete in your 40s and what challenges did that present to you? I fortunately, I never had any back trouble, um, you know, never really fought the injury bug. But you saw guys on the tour that it, plenty of guys did. Well, I saw plenty that did. Um, but really, more importantly, I saw plenty of guys on Wednesdays playing pro-ams or corporate events um, that you could tell they were struggling. They, they were there to play anyways, um, but they were struggling with back issues. And a number of times, you know, we'd have somebody walking around with us and they say, yeah, I was supposed to play today, but my back is so bad I can't. So I brought such and such or so and so. Uh, and so there's plenty of issues out there with people with back trouble. And, and it's interesting that Jeremy first started back forever. And then he realized that so many of his members um, were golfers. And so that's why he decided to really target more the, the you know, the market of, of golfers with, with back issues, um, with, you know, poor joint mobility, uh, and really target that segment. And that's why it became, you know, kind of natural um, for me to, to become involved and, and uh, you know, to lend, you know, my, not just my name, but my expertise. Um, you know, we've shot, one of the biggest things I do with the company is shooting videos, um, little two to three minute videos that we roll out to our members over time. A lot of them are uh, course management, um, type things, um, what to look for off the tee, how to read putts better, a little bunker tip. I don't have a book out or a DVD series or any of that stuff. So this is my outlet to kind of let people understand the things that I've learned over you know the course of my 40 years playing golf. Uh, and then some of the videos are, okay, what do you do if your back starts to tighten up uh, at the turn? Or, you know what, you're running late for, for a round. What should you do to really get loosened up? Um, those kind of things that are really beneficial for guys and, and, and women that are going through our program. Do you get the sense that this, this type of thing um, was, was this something that people should look at if they're feeling pain or if they're, they're, you know, they fit the profile, but they're not feeling pain. Like, yeah, you're the exception. And you, I think you know that, that you were able to play your entire career without major back pain is pretty fascinating. What about the guy who's a, you know, the Saturday golfer and he, you know, he plays with his buddies on Saturday mornings and he's not having back pain, but he's listening to this podcast. What would be the caution? Well, I, the, the caution is not doing it. Um, to me, I don't think there's any reason not to get involved in our program. 
Um, you know, you go through an, an initial evaluation um, as far as, uh, you know, certain things that you're feeling or tightness. It, it's not always about pain. Uh, sometimes it can just be, you know what, I'd like to be more flexible. I'd like to strengthen my core and get greater mobility in my joints, which is going to help your golf game. Um, so, you know, once, once a person, if they are in pain and they overcome the pain, really a lot of times the instinct is to, okay, I don't need to do this anymore. Well, hold on, don't go there because what happens next in the program is then all of a sudden you get into more strength building and that's when you really see the benefits for your golf game and your golf swing. Uh, so I think, I believe this program is for anybody. Um, you know, it, it may be more, uh, we center on people who are experiencing pain, but any golfer who really wants to improve, um, you know, the guys on the PGA Tour, they have access to uh, the best trainers in the world, the best uh, soft tissue experts in the world. Um, you know, for 10 bucks a month, uh, you get a piece of that through Dr. Jeremy James, Bill Fabricini, um, and it's, it's right there in your house. You don't have to drive to a gym or a doctor's office. You can do this, these things at home. Uh, it's 15 to 20 minutes a day, uh, and uh, it, it will certainly change your life. And it's not just for me. It's not just about my back for golf. It's lifestyle. I ride bikes. I hike. I've got four kids, and we're very active. Um, all those things are a big reason why I continue to work out today uh, because I want to stay fit for my wife and for my kids. It sounds uh, great, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Dr. Jeremy James. Justin, how can people find you on social media? You're, you're active on Twitter. Uh, is that the best way to do it? Are you an Instagram guy? I'm, I'm, I don't even understand Instagram that much. <laughs> Tell me your drug I, uh, of choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is JLMountainMan. Um, Instagram, I'm kind of new to. Uh, Justin Leonard 02, I believe it is. Um, and I don't, I'm not a, I don't talk a lot about the game when I'm on Twitter. I initially signed up just really to more for the reading purposes of it. Um, sure. because I feel like a lot of guys on tour, um, put a lot of information out on things like Twitter. And so it's a good, you know, it's not always the most accurate news source, but it'll <laughs> give you an idea and then I can go to some more research. Um, I'm more, you know, I like to send out the odd picture here or there, or, uh, I was mountain biking with my 13 year old, uh, earlier, let's see, that was Sunday afternoon and it just started pouring on us. And I, I sent out a couple pictures on Instagram, uh, of, you know, my legs and my bike covered in mud from head to toe. So that's <laughs> the kind of stuff I usually send out. Um, not a lot of golf commentary. I feel like there's enough of that out there. Uh, so mine's just more kind of, you know, show a little bit of my goofiness and, uh, you know, some lifestyle type things. That's great stuff. Justin, thanks so much for doing this. I look forward to having you back. You got it. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate it. So before we get to Dr. Jeremy James, as promised, we welcome in Patrick Morrow, head odds maker at Bavada. And Patrick, you know, when we talk about preseason football, um, there's something to be said. We should tell you that this podcast is coming out August 21st. So there are two weeks left in the regular season. If you're listening to this in January, <laughs> then you know what happened already. And you can tell the future. Just tell our future selves that we picked it wrong. The idea that there are season bets, there are season prop bets, and 
then there's these preseason games. I would imagine a lot of the traffic is about the upcoming season. There's no less anticipation of the season. Just these preseason games are tedious. Well, yeah, and if you're a big fan of one of these teams that are looking to make some noise this year, uh, really what you're hoping for the most out of preseason is that they come out of it healthy. Uh, I mean, we see it on the ticker every day. Uh, someone else uh, carted off the field, and then you hear later it's a torn ACL. Uh, I mean, there are those teams with young players that need their reps, but for the more established teams or the teams that are, you know, the teams that are usually looking to do some damage on the NFL futures board, yeah, they're just trying to get out of this thing unscathed. You know, one of the things that we, we see is, you know, obviously injuries could play a big role, but if a team is having an overwhelmingly good preseason, do you see that activity on the site? We do see that a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, some recreational wagering on those kind of teams. Uh, there has been some pretty decent reporting in the past to just really show how point, not, not pointless because there is point to it, but really just how that preseason effect doesn't really translate into anything. I think, uh, Peyton Manning and his time with the Colts were notorious for going 0-4 and 1-3 and in the preseason and just, you know, having outstanding regular season. So, I mean, again, for those established teams, they're not really trying to do much in terms of putting things together. But you can kind of see something with weaker teams where, you know, they may not have a lot of wins this upcoming season. So uh, being able to put together, you know, a couple extra good drives and meaningful games here could be uh, something that helps gel them towards the future. So I think it's more noise than anything else, but we do see that reflected and how our betters will react to these preseason games. And as far as baseball is concerned, the trade deadline came and went. So by the time we get to August 20th, we know who all the report, you know, let me rephrase. And so by the time we get to August 21st, let's be honest, we know all the rosters, you know, Chris sale went down for the Red Sox. Uh, How much activity are you seeing on the baseball front? Baseball still keeps things uh, nice and busy. Uh, you know, football's uh, still kind of in the periphery with uh, preseason only a few times a week. We don't have those uh, as many nationally televised games right now. So baseball is probably the most th- uh, the most bet on sport day in, day out uh, leading into NFL season. And I mean, yeah, the picture there is uh, a little bit clearer when it comes to who's in, who's out so far. I think that second wild card as uh create a little bit of extra drama as it tends to do. We have uh, some lucky players at Bovada that have backed the Giants, the San Francisco Giants at 150 to one to win the World Series. And if there was still only one wild card, we probably wouldn't be worrying about them too much. But with that second wild card, uh, they are in the mix of things and kind of like the the way the St. Louis Cardinals did it uh, a few years ago. Uh, it's one of, the, one of the longer and more exposed shots that we have. So we're keeping an eye on the San Francisco Giants and really hoping they come back to Earth. As the math says that they should. They're not a very good team, but they continue to uh, spit math or spit in math's face every single day, it seems like. Well, it sounds like a good time to get involved. You can go to Bavada's website and uh, check out all of these pre-football season bets, some of the preseason bets. Do the baseball, too, as they're going to have a lot more coming up, and you can hear it all here on Sports with Friends. Patrick, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Seth. Good to have Patrick back. And as promised, we have Dr. Jeremy James with us here on Sports with Friends. And uh, Justin was raving about you, sir. I hope your ego wasn't uh, getting too big. You know, we, we, we can only handle that many egos on this podcast. I'll try to stay humble. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, golf forever. Um, you know, he raves about it. And, you know, there's this idea. I think that there's two kinds of people that are listening to this and getting two different uh, reviews. Because, yeah, if, if you're a golf enthusiast, 
yes, back pain has been a thing with golf all, all along, but I have back pain. I'm not a golfer. Like we, we ever people have back pain. And if you can provide theories and solutions on how to not only cope with it, but to alleviate some of it, this is going to be the best podcast of them all. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, you know, back pain, whether it's from golf or anything else, it's a it the reason it's treated so poorly so commonly is that it's multifactorial it's 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 a result of your behaviors the way you move the way you carry yourself the way you exercise or don't and if you play golf it's your golf swing so you have to address all of those things to effectively relieve back pain permanently and it that lends itself very well to video based instruction and explain to me the process so so basically how can a person listening to this uh, take advantage of what Golf Forever has to offer? Sure. So when someone signs up for our program, we use a unique self-assessment that was based on my decade of experience treating these conditions that gives the system the relevant information about your physical state, uh, any imbalances or weaknesses you may have in strength or mobility, uh, your pain levels, where you're hurting, how bad it hurts, and what you do on a daily basis. And it takes all that information and gives you an interactive program for you based on that information. And again, I was able to create that assessment, you know, based on the patterns that I saw in my decade of practice treating only exclusively these types of patients. So, so take me through. So, so you sign up for this program, you're sitting at a desktop. First of all, sitting is the worst thing you can do for your back. And then, so tell me, is it, is it a series of videos? How, how, does this, how, how does this happen? It's a great question. It's a combination of videos and text. It's a few very short, easy to answer questions mixed in with a few videos where we're going to ask you to go through a couple of different exercises and give us some feedback on them. Depending on what exercise or video you're watching, it may be a question about how long can you hold this position? How, how were you able to do this position without pain? Could you move to this varying degree or what have you? So there's a few different exercises and movements we ask you to do. and We get feedback on those. And then some of the rest of the questions are based on your day-to-day exercise regimen, what you do, what you don't do, how, how bad you hurt, where you hurt, what your job is. You mentioned sitting. Do you sit a lot? Is your job more active, et cetera? Right. I, I have a, a, a trainer who tells me the worst thing uh, I could do is what I do. <laughs> if you're a broadcaster, nobody stands when they're doing their broadcast. You know what I mean? Like even if you're on television, you're usually sitting down. This, the, the sitting down is is something that, you know, can be an occupational hazard. But the reality of it is, is it happens when you're relaxing. It happens when you're driving. It happens on a train. It happens like there's some t- some things that are unavoidable. If I go through this process, because I'm, I'm very tempted, right? So I'm going to go through this process. Is it going to make me change those activities or is it going to make me do alternate activities to counteract what I normally do? Both. And that's a great question. So it's really that's a two, two by the way, folks, if you're scoring at home so far too. <laughs> so if it's a two pronged approach and it, it's, it's actually, you couldn't have said it better. So let's take both of those questions for the sitting we're going to give you strategies to minimize the damaging effects of sitting. One of the re- one of the reasons sitting is so bad for you is because if you sit relatively still, uh, exponentially more force is directed through your lumbar discs, ligaments, and joints. And so something as simple as shifting positions every five to 10 minutes 
will make a difference. Getting up and moving is the best. If we're talking about sitting, you need to get up and move about every 15 minutes. But if, if you cannot do that, say you're in a car, what have you, even shifting positions changes the part of your back that's under that excessive load. So that's just one example of a strategy to try to minimize a damaging behavior. The other part of the two-prolonged strategy is giving you more wiggle room before those damaging behaviors can hurt you. And we do that by building the support structure that supports your spine, building mobility in the right places, and basically making that protective mechanism that you already have in your body work better. So two ways that we try to do it, and that's, that's in essence, the core of the program. You know, the, the interesting aspect of all of that is I would imagine a guy like Justin Leonard sees this and finds this and immediately gravitated toward that. Um, I asked him if he had an injury that led him to doing something, or is this a preventative thing? Because I would imagine, again, it's, it's, it's people listening to this are in different states, you know, Five years ago, I didn't have back pain. If I had known I was going to have back pain, I would be able to 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 be interested in something like that. Now, I mean, and I'm when I say back pain, I mean I'm not I'm not laid up. I I I, uh, I hurt my back. This is too much information, but I hurt <laughs> my back. I slipped on a uh, on black ice, uh-huh. and I and I landed on a cement step. And I had bone bruises and I had, uh, I didn't crack a rib, but I landed on my back on a, on a cement step and I couldn't walk for a while. And I had to go through physical therapy and whatnot. They actually sponsored the podcast years ago. This was, this was like four years ago, this, uh, this orthopedist. And it was one of those things. And now as I get older, I'm noticing that I have back pain. And I just would imagine a lot of our audience, they're in a similar event you know what i mean the people who listen to this podcast are probably not teenagers you know that so so you're going to find there's some kind of back pain whether you have it now or it's coming you know 80 percent of americans in their lifetime will experience significant back pain so you're right the vast majority of people will um i'd be happy to speak to you about your particular incident but it sounds like what happened you know that fall could have triggered the back pain that you're having now it might not have but what could have happened is you fall you 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 mentioned you have bone bruises muscle bruises all that sort of thing if you don't retrain those muscles way after you're feeling better wake those muscles up get them moving again like they were before the injury then you develop some faulty movement patterns which over time can lead to back knee hip joint pain in general that's it's it's pretty uh fascinating um so, so tell me about what working with Justin was like. Sure. So Justin, I, I couldn't be happier, you know, to be partnered with him. He's a wonderful guy. We share this, basically the same philosophies, which is how we got introduced to each other. Justin, you know, lives out here in Aspen now where I live, and he's a super healthy, active, fit guy. He's always working out, biking. He eats well. He takes care of himself. So he believes in the philosophy that I do. And so we got introduced to each other because he's, you know, friends with a lot of people that I've helped with their backs. And if you live in Aspen and you have a back pain, you've probably seen me. So I toyed around with this idea of making a golf specific back program. When I saw how many golfers were using my other programs, I, I I have programs just for back pain in general called Back Forever, 
And one of the questions we ask when you're signing up is which, what sport do you like to do? What's the activity you want to get back to? And golf was the most uh, common answer. And so I thought, well, look, I've treated so many golfers in my personal practice. I'm very familiar with the biomechanics of the game. We really should put something together specific for golfers because golf, as you probably know, is a very unique game. It has unique demands on your body. It's a repetitive, sure, sure. excited motion, which can be very bad for your back. So once I decided to do that, uh, I was introduced to Justin. We started talking about it, talking about our philosophies. And I, he got to hear a lot from my former patients about how much I'd helped them. And we just hit it off immediately. And he's been absolutely wonderful to work with. And he's taught me a lot about the finer aspects of the game of golf. And we don't even need to have him on again. So, so you know, you didn't even have to say that. Uh, you're not even buttering him up. Um, <laughs> he is great. I couldn't speak more highly of him. He's wonderful to work with. Okay, so just in closing, so so just as an understanding, it's an interactive online experience that is part video, part text, part uh, question and answer and things like that. And by trying this kind of program out, it should be for a person who has manageable back pain. If you have serious back pain, go see a damn doctor, right? Like, like I'm not, I don't think this is replacing what a doctor can do. Well, it depends. I mean, anyone that has back pain should be evaluated by a physician because there are a million different things that can cause back pain, some of which are very serious, like cancer and infection. But sure, once sure, you've been sure. evaluated and if you've tried other things that haven't worked, absolutely should try this. And the interesting thing to most people that may not know this is the same exercises and therapies that teach you to, to use your joints and, and core muscles properly to relieve back pain are the same exercises that make you better at sports, including golf. So this program isn't just for people with back pain. We have a lot of people using this just to improve their game. And we use that in the self-assessment. That's one of the questions. Why have you come to us? Are you here for back pain, knee pain, elbow pain? Are you just here to get better at your game? And if it's if it's better at your game, then there's a program specifically for that as well. All right. I saved the most important question for last. Right. And this is something that I, I think that all of our listeners really need to know. Is there something in your treatment, in the Golf Forever treatment, that can help me get the ball through the windmill into the clown's mouth? <laughs> you know, many of the things that we teach will absolutely improve accuracy and distance, no question. <laughs> You're on your own with the windmill, though. <laughs> Dr. Jeremy James, it's a pleasure having you on the show. I look forward to checking out uh, Golf Forever and uh, also maybe Back Forever if they, if they can they can introduce me to that because uh, that is definitely something uh, we would all uh, benefit from. Uh, our th uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. That's Dr. Jeremy James. Our thanks to both him and, of course, to Justin Leonard for being on this edition of Sports with Friends. Uh, as I close every show with, I'll tell you, if you have any issues with anything that both Justin or Jeremy said uh, on this show, uh, contact them directly. Leave me the hell out of it. Uh, for, <laughs> for Justin Leonard and Dr. Jeremy James, my name is Seth Everett. This is Sports with Friends. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today. Available for you to see I'm about to go And then you'll know For me to stay I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take
granted and smile Count on please, I'm gone Forget reaching me by phone Because I promise I'll be gone for a while When you see me again I hope that you have been The kind of person That you really are now Taking up my time